Thanks for taking a moment out of your time to listen to Discussing Who. Want more comic book-related content? Then check out the Discussing Who YouTube channel. It's all about discussing comics. Visit youtube.discussingwho.com and subscribe. Again, you can go there easily, youtube.discussingwho.com. And now, on with the show. Look at this. What, it's a police box. What on earth is it doing here? Hey, these things are usually on the street. Oh, feel it. Feel it, you feel it? It's a faint vibration. It's alive. Welcome back, everyone. This is episode number 66, and in this episode, we are going to be reviewing the very first Doctor Who episode, An Unearthly Child, or actually the first story that comprises An Unearthly Child. So we're going back all the way to the very beginning, November the 23rd, 1963. And who is that we? Well, the first part of we is... Lee Shackelford. Hey, Lee. Wow, I got promoted to number one. You are number one. <laughs> I thought you were... My number is six. I thought you were I thought you were number one. Oh. Anyway, that's, oh. that's Kyle Jones speaking, by the way. I am and number one. Shackelford. Okay, so number two, <laughs> number three, number four. Uh, but no, seriously, Lee Shackelford. I appreciate Hi, guys. Shout out. Yeah. So what's been going on with you, sir? I'm 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 still trying to get my head around this uh, this episode you're talking about because everybody knows the first episode of Doctor Who is called Rose. So I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't clearly, know. clearly. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you're doing, but yeah. <laughs> anyway, no, I'm I'm having a great time and eager to talk about this because it's been a long time since. Um, well, I mean, the three of us have never talked about all of um, the first serial of Doctor Who, which I don't think actually has a name. Uh, they, they weren't doing that then. Mm-mm. So we always called it the Unearthly Child, but Unearthly, Unearthly Child is only the first episode of it. Anyway, so hey, that, whatever that's, it is. That's not what Brickbox told me, so I believe you're oh, wrong, sir. Oh, that's interesting, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know I know. we'll get to this, but I've heard it called um, The Fire Maker. I've heard it called The Tribe of Gum. Ah. Called, um, hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, so uh, I, I have a question for you. You've been Mm. making, and you know, everyone listening knows that I have a penchant for making corny jokes. So here, here comes the next one. You've (laughs) been, uh, inspired to make some connections lately, I I think. So tell us about your interview and actually Karen's interview as well with, uh, the inspired connections and tell us about that. Yeah, my uh, my brilliant uh, Seattle friend Katie Morgan put together this thing called the Inspired Connections Summit, and you can find it at inspiredconnectionssummit.com. And it's been a thing going on for 10 days in early August. So by the time this comes out, it will have wrapped up, and I think, I hope, she's going to put all these interviews out for the general public. But, but, uh, But my wife Karen and I were both asked to participate in this because we're both creative people who think and write about fans and fandom and about being creative and and that's the kind of thing that katie was collecting so it's it's a um 10 days i think in in all she had something like 20 people that she interviewed 
Uh, really? Just talking about the process. Yeah, it's a it, it's an impressive array of people. I mean, I was I was honored to be included among them, but um, big ideas and just um, interesting insights that um, I don't know. I, I watching these interviews really, you know, that was something I really needed to, to hear. You know, when uh, to, as I continue to grow and think as a as an artist and you know somebody who's trying to figure out how marketing our stuff works. I mean. All of us who who podcast and all these things, you know, it's always the big question: How do we get people interested in what we're doing, or get them to spread yeah. the word? You know, and you know, the, the big answer is nobody knows. <laughs> and you know, we keep coming back to that. It's uh, so everybody's got ideas to try, though, which is awesome. So, but uh, yeah, so that's part of what I've been doing: Inspired Connections Summit. Check it out. Cool, 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 cool. And Clarence, what 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 have you been working on? And oh well, I'm assuming Clarence, because uh, I've not uh, told everyone who doesn't <laughs> know who the other part of discussing who is Clarence Brown. So welcome no, back. No, t- t- today is clearly going to be uh, Clarence Foreman. Uh, that's that's what you call ah, me. And, uh, okay. <laughs> who? <laughs> I yeah, thought who? I'm Foreman. Like I am Foreman. I uh, am Foreman. So, uh, welcome back. Uh, yeah, I haven't yeah. talked to you much uh, the last couple of weeks. Been uh, a little bit busy. So, how have you been? Doing well, man. Just uh, been very busy as work at work as well, and uh, wrapping up some projects. So, yeah, just been a busy time. I haven't been up to too much other than that. But we uh, did have another uh, episode of the Tech Petition Podcast where we did episodes three and four of Game of Thrones. So. Uh, yeah, that's mostly what I've been up to, but yeah. and also watching these uh, wonderful <laughs> episodes <laughs> of classic Doctor Who. Uh, so yeah, I'm anxious <laughs> to talk about it. <laughs> okay, that 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 little piece of audio uh, is going to co- go into our uh, like Hall of Fame clips uh, at yeah. some point in uh, in the future. Someone's going to be listening to our 1,000th Hall of Fame episode. <laughs> that will be in it. Okay. <laughs> when somebody says something great, we'll always go back to Clarence's voice saying, "Wonderful." <laughs> great. Yeah. So, I, I think I think you just made your oh my. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had to think about those words as I <laughs> That is now etched in my brain. I just want you to know that I'm going to be like uh every time, you know, something's really cool, I'm going to not say fantastic. I'm going to use that from now on. Well, it had a question mark under it too. And I, yeah, I, can, which, I, 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 I know I can exactly hear that. what you're talking about. So I mean, that's that's what's brilliant about it. So yeah, so uh, yeah, I'm, I'm eager to dive into what um, yeah to whether we think these episodes are wonderful or not. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, one thing that is wonderful is what you will be doing next weekend, specifically in the afternoon. So you, would you like to share? a little bit about that and then i will follow up and tell people how to find out more about what you'll be doing next weekend yeah well i guess it's more what we'll be doing uh so we'll be attending the golden triangle comic-con in columbus mississippi you've got it right yeah so it's a one-day con there in uh this second year i believe i believe you are correct and we will be doing not one but two different panels uh we will have them back to back and the first one will be on Doctor Who, season series six, uh, 10. And then we will get to do a Marvel versus DC um, 
you know, comic book, talking about the comics, talking about some of the, um, you know, the, the TV and the movies and all that good stuff. So we'll be doing a, you know, comic book panel second and a Doctor Who panel. And I think the first one is at one thirty, and the second one is at 2. So it's, it's going to be brief, concise, and then, you know, of course, we'll be, you know, talking to other people while we're there. So that's... Um, kind of fun looking forward to that so anybody that's living in mississippi that's listening to this episode as it's going out you can find out more information at gtcomicon.com and we will have some information about that in the show notes so yep that's what we'll be doing this weekend i mean next weekend and i'm looking forward to it yeah man it should be fun uh i think it's going to be be my first single day uh comic-con going to so so it should be fun to see how those work when it's in a, you know, just one day, a little more concise and should, you know, be fun to go in and just meet, meet all these people and see what kind of vendors are there and, and being at this one for the very first time. So I'm excited about it. Uh, I am too. There's also a, uh, comic book artist that we've, or I've communicated with VR discussing who, uh, Twitter account and I'm looking forward to talking to him who will be there, and I am not on Twitter at the moment, or I would mention his name. And since I can't uh, <laughs> find uh, Dietrich, Dietrich O. Smith, that's who the gentleman's name is. And also, um, Peyton, I want to uh, mention this since I'm on our Twitter account now, uh, Peyton Wick, who was at the Southern Geek Fest and who was in the first um, – uh, season of Stranger Things mentioned on Twitter that he is working on a new project. So kudos to him. Oh, cool, cool. I love to hear about that. So, and I um, basically tweeted out and saying that it was nice meeting you and w- would love to talk to you more about it when you can release more details. And he replied back with a like. So cool for him. Awesome, awesome. So, guys, um, do you are you ready to get into? The uh, story itself. Let's do it, man. So I'm going to not play the spoiler warning because I think by now, if you've if you're a Doctor Who fan and you've not figured out what happened in the earth, an unearthly child, um, just sorry, you're going you're going to be spoiled because guess what? Yeah. Uh, the Doctor meets some people and goes on adventures. There you go. Right, yeah. yeah, time's up. Folks. All right. So thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. So let me give a little uh, bit of uh, background before we actually get started. So let's. I'll begin by saying that this, of course, was November the twenty third. 1963 it was 23 minutes i believe and it was um the first appearance of the first doctor now when it aired the launch uh according to wikipedia was overshadowed by the assassination of john f kennedy the previous day the serial received favorable reviews and the four um uh, episodes attracted an average of six million viewers. So um, I do know. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Lee. That they replayed the episode again the following week, so that, that anybody that was watching the news actually, mm-hmm. you know, got a chance to see it. That's right. So let's Which kind of is, 
go ahead. It, it kind of it kind of ties Doctor Who forever to uh, the original Star Trek series because um, it also got off to a false start, and uh, I mean there was a pilot that didn't sell, and uh, they had the unprecedented opportunity to make a second pilot, and kind of the same thing happened with Doctor Who is that they finished um, their their video recording of the first episode, and uh, the BBC some of the the head said no no but gave Verity Lambert a chance to go back and try it again. And then, because you could say they got three chances, because then they <laughs> aired, and of all things, this you know this nightmare happens with JFK's assassination. So after they had fixed the episode, then still nobody saw it. So they gave the show a chance again. <laughs> yeah, so, and, yeah. and what are the, what's the likelihood in that time of television that that would have happened, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's a, it's like it, it, the show was on the bubble, as they say in the business, from the start. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but people, when they finally saw An Earthly Child, everybody was apparently sitting on the edge of their, their seat saying, wow, <laughs> can't wait until next week to see where this is going. So. And, and then it got boring for a couple of weeks. <laughs> well, let's talk about that because but yeah in its time so yeah so i want to hear uh if you don't okay no go ahead lady i'm sorry no no, that was clarence oh okay yeah i I was going to say i want to hear from clarence because you know i i've had conversations with you lee about you know the classic but but clarence what was your take as far as it for the first episode, you, just just the first episode at this oh point. Oh man, the first, and I don't know if it's me knowing uh, the future. Huh, funny on the Doctor Show, me knowing the future, seeing the <laughs> the later episodes, knowing this this myth and lore around the Doctor, knowing the things I know about the TARDIS and 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 the Doctor and the companions, but never having seen the original you know it's almost weird to watch these ideas these thoughts these 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 things being formed and and said for the first time and seeing them come to fruition uh come to inception um it's, it's just weird but at the same time it's just so awesome to see it happen you know, um, it's just so many things from this first episode uh, that that really just made me smile. Now, in the, the third, second, third, and fourth episode, eh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> but man, this first episode is gold. It's gold in so many ways. Excuse me. What are you doing here? Uh, we're looking for a girl. We? Oh, good evening. What do you want? Um, one of our pupils, Susan Foreman, came into this yard. Really? In here? Are you sure? Yes. We saw her from across the street. One of their pupils, not the police, then. I, I beg your pardon? Why were you spying on her? Who are you? We heard a young girl's voice call out to you. Your hearing must be very acute. I didn't hear anything. It came from in here. You imagined it? I certainly did not imagine it. Young man, is it reasonable to suppose that anybody would be inside a cupboard like that? Hmm? Would it therefore be unreasonable to ask you to let us have a look inside? I wonder why I've never seen that before. Now, isn't that strange? Pretty damp and dirty. Won't you help us? 
with two of her teachers from the Coal Hill School. We saw her come in and we haven't seen her leave. Naturally, we're worried. Have to be clean. Hmm? Oh, I'm afraid it's none of my business. I suggest you leave here. Not until we're satisfied that Susan isn't here. And, frankly, I don't understand your attitude. Oh, yours leaves a lot to be desired. Will you open the door? There's nothing in there. Then what are you afraid to show us? Afraid? <laughs> Go away. When it begins, you know, I found, watching it again, the interesting part for me, and, and, and I want to pose this to Lee from the writing perspective, we mm. do not see the doctor for a good... 10 minutes, 8 to 10 minutes of the first uh, episode. So if you look at it, it's 23 minutes. You know, and I know, Lee, you've said at some point that usually about halfway through a story, that's where the changeover happens. Is, am, mm-hmm. I, am I Yeah. Okay. So yeah, it's a moment of crisis. Yeah. So, it was, so was meeting the doctor hmm. at that point the moment of crisis? No, I think he doesn't come into the story until much later because this story isn't this episode. This story isn't really about him. It's about Susan. Correct. Yeah. And I think the midpoint. I've never timed it or anything or looked at it on paper, but I think the the thing is is when Ian and Barbara decide to follow her, ah, which is yes. that's huge. You know, I mean, yeah. I've, never, I've never followed any of my students home. You know. <laughs> It, it it means that, that this is weird enough that we're going to do something really out of the ordinary. And they get to where she, or the address she's given, and it's a junkyard. What in the world is going on here? You know? Yeah, and, and so you know, that's, that's, you know yeah. go ahead. Oh, and I'm just saying that that's, that's where the story hinges, you know, that we've had this strange behavior from this, this girl. And then Ian and Barbara do something extraordinary. So now you've sort of got three people in an adventure. And that opens the door to finally the fourth person coming into the story. And it's, it's brilliant. It really is a, such a beautifully constructed, um, you know, half hour of television. Yeah. And, and, and when you said they, they see this girl with these strange behaviors, and it's not bad strange. No. It's good no. strange. Yeah, it's like, she's wonderful. Yeah, she's so smart. She is formulating ideas that nobody has even really thought about, you know, and, and, and it's not the curiosity of this being a student that's bad or, or unruly in the classroom, Mm -hmm. but, but their curiosity is teachers wants, want to find out, you know, what it, what's this girl's environment? I mean, we don't know anything about her parents. I mean, mm-hmm. where we I drove by this place. It looks like a junkyard. Where does she live? You know, and man, it's just it's just wonderful. And thank thank goodness for nosy teachers, I guess. <laughs> That's right. But that you does know, come back to bite them, of course. But yeah. So, all right. So, um, you know, I, I tried to put myself into Barbara and Ian's predicament that they were in because you know you've got this kid that doesn't want to let's take a b and c that doesn't want to solve this ge- uh, geometry equation because she says it's po- it's impossible to do unless you add dna oh so good that you know so good. and you, you know and and they're making her out like you're being an unruly child why not why don't you just you know do it as you're told and to her that makes no sense and then they flip it and then she starts talking about the desk you know the the yeah the metric versus the decimal and all that uh you know the differences and then every all the kids are laughing at her and whatever which 
you know, I thought was, you know, quite interesting. Well, just like the subtle, subtle hints on the uh, dimension question, you know, she says DNA is gone. Of course, that ends up being space and time. That just put a smile on my face. I'm like, those words have been used so much throughout the years. And even the classic years that I know nothing about, but just like the, the, the reboot years, you know, you just hear these themes repeated in the see it said for the first time. Uh, it's just, it's just really amazing. All right. So I have a question for you guys and it, it really kind of, this, seeing this episode again, and and I, I could say it's probably been several years since I've seen this particular whole serial to you know as as one piece again. I couldn't help but wonder why that this program is continuously, even today, called a children's program. Thank you, thank you, sir. <laughs> I'm assuming well, you got uh, 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 there's agreement there. Yes. Yeah, I thought but, the same thing. But it's it's because the, the label is misunderstood, I think, that that there are out and out children's programs like like Blue Peter, for example, that the BBC had, and I think still has. Uh and there's shows that were for, for grown ups at the time and people were watching Zed cars or something like that that wasn't for kids. But this is tea time. This is kids are, are home from school, they they're they've been out playing, then they come inside for tea, and this is time for the family. I think the the, the word that we're that we are most likely to use is it's family. Okay. That I, that I can go with, you know, if you say it's a family show, I, I, I I can get that, but, but you know, every time, okay, look at it from this perspective. It's (laughs) definitely not Torchwood. Would you agree with that? That's right. But, but but, but, yeah, this is supposed to be a tea time show, but yeah, then we, yeah. Think about episode three of this, of this serial. Yeah. This is for the whole family. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. In in the sixties at that. You know, yeah, right. Uh, yeah, some, some, <laughs> some it's of the 1963, we, and the hero of the show is about to murder one of yes! the other. <laughs> and I mean, we get obvious shots. So we we see the rock or or knife, whatever they call it in this episode, get pulled back, and the old woman is is killed. You don't see it, but that's a very strong theme for a show that's you know you said family, even family. You know? right. uh, it's. it's so I really don't get people well, often saying, you know, this is a kid's show. But, by, but by was, these first, go ahead. Well, that was how it was supposed to be marketed. That's how <laughs> it was planned. And this has this also becomes part of the history of the show, almost from the very beginning. Is this struggle with uh, the audience and with with um, with a with a certain few <laughs> um, in Great Britain at the time who were up in arms about what was going on in this. Uh, <laughs> uh, in this family hour show. So this is tea time. This is supposed to be a show for the whole family. And there's this murder and mayhem and all this kind of <laughs> veiled sexuality. And why is this, this guy got this girl in the, the box that he, you know, and, and, and yeah, that has always dogged Dr. Who, which of course does nothing except boost its ratings. Absolutely. It, so, yeah, and, and, and when you think about the doctor who, um, you know, won't even use a gun. Now, supposedly in the new who, um, mm-hmm. right. and he pulls back this rock to, like you mentioned, to off somebody. I was just like, whoa! Yeah, <laughs> I was and in you, shock. You you can really see all of the the sort of the exposed um, organs of this show kind of taking its own shape. I mean, the doctor is never going to do anything like that again. 
Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we're trying to lay the ground rules and trying to kind of figure the show out. And that is a surprising moment, especially for us looking at it backwards. Like that's the doctor. But you know, from, if you're, if you're standing in 1963 looking forward, you know, we're, we're, we're making this up as we go along and it's, um, but yeah. Yeah. But think about it. There's, there's, the absence of expectation when they're right. writing that, you know, yeah. you know, we're thinking from the perspective of, oh, well, the doctor wouldn't do that or the doctor, whatever. This yeah. is making the doctor the doctor. I mean, this is mm-hmm. there's no, you know, there's no backstory to say, oh, well, the doctor can't do that because exactly, this, is, yeah. this is the first. Because the dynamic that's being laid out here that looks like this is what the show is going to be about is it's going to be about Ian and Barbara as the good guys who are sort of being held prisoner by these weird people. <laughs> so and, and the big st- – I mean and the show has implicitly a question mark in the title and the second episode makes that very clear that we are never going to find out who this guy is. He's Dr. Foreman, of course. Exactly. And, <laughs> and, and he says – He's the one who gets to say, Doctor Who. Oh, so because good. <laughs> it's just it's a great moment. Yeah, it kind of sends a chill, you know, because <laughs> oh. we're expecting it. But yeah, but that was the intent of the show. We're we're never going to explain wh- who these people are, where they came from, or what they're doing, you know. And some people would say, if you look at it from that perspective, it's kind of a pity that as time went by, we had to establish. We had to first say Time Lord. Well, had we first had to say Renewal, and then we had to cop to time lords and then finally in the 70s we had to start saying gallifrey right and you know and so little by little the the his backstory starts to come together and now we feel like we 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 know everything about him except how to say his name yeah but um and and i I don't want to harp on the you know the when he's about to off the guy but (laughs) (laughs) oh oh, you should (laughs) but but thinking you know, other than being in in awe and and like, what is he doing? It also took me back to this current season, and I thought about when Bill was asking the doctor those questions, and it mm-hmm. took me right back back to that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it was really, really, really profound uh, when he. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that question. What she said, "Have you ever killed anybody in Thin yeah. Ice?" Yeah, and yeah, he should have said, "Well, I was going to, but he didn't stop me." <laughs> So, so, what are you doing? <laughs> so I'm curious about something. So, um, you know, and as we review some of the classic stories, there literally is a method to my madness in the in the way that I wanted to um, in the order for which you know we put what we chose in. So, having said that, looking at that ending to how it ended with a cliffhanger, and we know what's going into Christmas now with you know twice upon a time does that if you are to think back on that ending where spoilers 12 and 1 come face to face does that change how you interpret that so you know i know it doesn't for lee because you know he's seen the first doctor but for for you clarence does that change that moment for you uh, not in the 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 moment of meeting itself, but it makes me wonder about the interaction of that of this Christmas episode. Um, one of the 
observations that I one of the things I observed from the original doctor is this certain amount of I don't know if it's arrogance um, and the lack of he he re- it seems like in this first few episodes at least he revels in others ignorance and it kind of <laughs> has this smirk about absolutely. him absolutely yeah. so I. I would wonder how that would play with another doctor um, with him. And I don't know if that continues throughout the first doctor's run, but especially in these first few episodes. When you, when you mentioned that in chat the other day, it struck me. And and then I went back and I hadn't, I hadn't rewatched the, these four episodes again when you made that remark. And it it struck me for the first time that Susan does it a little bit too, you know, and she's in the classroom saying, well, if you understood the kinds of things I understand, this wouldn't, (laughs) you know, I thought, well, she comes by and honest, doesn't she? I mean, yeah, (laughs) but, uh, and that actually, now, now that I, I say that out loud, it reminded me, I just, just this minute, I just had a realization. This has never struck me before, but think about it. Establishing the fan base for a TV show that first episode depicts our young heroine as being somebody who is a little smarter than everybody else in the classroom and whose teachers don't quite get her. And I think there's got to be a million kids watching this. That way. Yeah. yeah, who are going, okay, I don't know what this is, but that girl is me. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I am already on board with this TV show. <laughs> yeah. And then you find out she's from outer space. <laughs> and add yes. to another level to that, you know – uh, a teenager is going to feel, no matter how normal a teacher might be, that their teachers sometimes meddle when they tell them, don't do this, don't do that, you can't do this. Uh, they already right. have that meddling teacher. And what better to happen <laughs> to a meddling teacher that they get kidnapped and taken back to prehistoric times? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, kidnapped now. Kidnapped. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. They didn't get kidnapped. They they forced their way into that police box. Yes, they yeah. did. And he locked the door. And he locked the door. <laughs> oh, <laughs> man. He's so arrogant and, and oh, he is mean. You know, he is mean. It's a mean in a sense of, because he laughs a lot, way more than I expect him to. It seems like 90% of the time when he's laughing, he's laughing because someone else is not as sharp or clever, should I say, yeah. as he, he is. He's, you don't understand, so you find excuses, one of That's the things right. that he said. But my, one yeah. of my favorite one was, I, I tolerate this century, but I don't like it. Have you ever <laughs> wondered what it was like to be wanderers in the fourth dimension? Have you? Yeah. <clears throat> oh, man. Exiles. And uh, yeah. so... So but maybe. notice over these four stories, though, the doctor comes to accept Ian and Barbara, and, and he even advocates for them and, and goes out of yeah. his way. I mean, he actually rescues them, you remember, and, and sort yeah. of in the end, and he didn't have to. Yeah. So this is a little story about how he changes. Yeah. And, and you know, again, stuff we've seen in the future, we've heard of, of the TARDIS can't change. We get that moment in the second episode of them being puzzled that the TARDIS still looks like a police box when they hit this first, uh, make this first trip. And I had forgotten that this this happened in the story. Yeah. It's like, wow, right up front. They're both, why hasn't it changed? Yeah. This is the moment when that happens. And another thing, I think it was in the fourth episode where they really, really kind of show it there. And it's when they run back in after they're, they're being chased by the caveman and they're inside the TARDIS and they're showing like a side of the wall. And I was like, 
Okay, I remember that from when Mayor Me and um, Clara and the doctor yeah. were in the at the very end of time, literally. And <laughs> and I was like, okay, that that you know, I remember that from last you know the the twenty fourteen series, right. What do we think about the first trip in the TARDIS? It was a little rough, uh, to say the least. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that they didn't keep that convention, that every time we travel, it's going to be this roller coaster. Because it takes a lot of time on screen, obviously. And, uh, yeah. you know, uh, it's connecting it to Star Trek again in, in the Star Trek pilot, every time they went into warp, I mean, the, the first time we saw them go into warp in the cage, it's this kind of elaborate process. And uh, stepping into the transport room, that took a long time also. And you, you can sort of sense him saying, okay, next time we're not going to spend so much time with that. <laughs> so so traveling in the TARDIS is the same thing. It's like, yeah, we're not going to – it's not going to spin people around and knock them unconscious every week. That's going to – we're not going to do that. <laughs> so so, so yeah. did, did it knock them unconscious? And there's a reason I'm asking this. Did it knock mm. them unconscious or did it make – you know, were they, were they unconscious or were some of them sick or, or – mm. do you remember – uh, Ian says he hit his head, but I, I don't. Yeah. I, but but Barbara didn't, and and she was she was out. Right. Um, the reason that I asked that is yeah. the uh, DC series on the CW, uh, Legends of Tomorrow. They have several quote unquote rooms in in there that are reminiscent of things that are Doctor Whoish, and one yeah. of the things that happens when. And they've kind of stopped doing this a little bit as the show's progressed. But at the very beginning, they would always refer to when we travel through time in the ship, we, you know, you kind of get nauseated, you get sick. Yeah, they did at first. Yeah. You know, and, and I didn't even notice that. I don't know if that was unintentional or, or what, but until I watched this, I was saying, hmm, I wonder if you were, you know, doing a knockback to Doctor Who. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like another thing, I don't think we got a, it's bigger on the inside, but uh, Ian said several times I walked around it, you know, um, to kind of give us the same sense of it's bigger on the inside, but he never, those words were never uttered that I, that I realized maybe where it wasn't, I missed it. Yeah, you get more of a scene instead of a line of dialogue, but, but yeah, the, the thing that I, I mentioned this in the chat the other day too, that jumped out at me was, uh, was Ian he goes up and puts his hand on the outside of the TARDIS when they're in the junkyard. And he says, not, <laughs> not it's vibrating or I can feel, you know, he says it's alive. <laughs> yeah. Which that seems like jumping way ahead in the series. It's going to be yeah. a long time before we'll really acknowledge that it's a, it's eh, whatever the TARDIS is, organic, mechanical, whatever it is. But yeah, those are like the, it's the first time anybody, any human character interacts with the TARDIS. And the first thing they say is it's, it's alive. alive. It's alive. I just love that. But, uh, so, guys, let me ask you this. What was it or what is it about this pilot that was able to give birth to a story that, you know, six, I mean, 54, almost 55 or 53, whatever, a whole bunch of years plus 50 uh, after it, it aired, it's still going strong. What what about that story do you think made this longevity possible? Because I'm sure there were other shows out there that were great, that was like, you know, really cool, that that 
were only around for a year or two, or you know, if not that. What gave such life to this show? Hmm. Or do you what think you it was just chance? I, I, I think I've thought that in the past. You know, that maybe the show is kind of limping and it's going to be the Daleks that's really going to save it. Because that's the next story, you know, is where we're going to introduce the Daleks. And uh, like I told Clarence the other day, it's we, we can say what we will about the Daleks. I personally think they're silly and stupid and I, I groan every time I see them on the screen. But they saved this show's butt because um, I think a lot of people may have sort of said, is this what we're going to do? We're going to see cavemen every week? And then... The next week, we get the Daleks and Scaro and that whole backstory about, you know. So it's going to become doc, the Doctor Who we know, starting with this next story. But um, but watching it again, I really was struck by the, by the, the fact that um, after we've – this is a classic story of hubris. This is just like the, the, the ancient – this is – we've been doing this since the days of Greek and Roman theater – you, you take a character who thinks he's better than everybody else and then knock his feet out from under him. And we have always loved that. So we get the doctor in this first story, you know, sneering at Ian and Barbara. And then in the next episode, he's in serious trouble because he can't make fire. Yeah. You know, they're going to kill him. <laughs> it's like, how do you like it now, old man? You know, so, so now we're on his side. Isn't that brilliant? Yeah. And then the rest of the story is about them trying to negotiate with people who are, you know, thousands of years less developed than the human characters that he was looking down on before. And trying and and this only solution is you're going to have to try to find out what these people have in common. Yeah. So so, you know, we, we get this pretty sophisticated um, concept storytelling from the very beginning. And, you know. Uh, I, I came away with a new respect for it. I mean, it, th- there are parts of this that just the drag and you're, and you're looking kind of at the same thing over and over again. But, um, but I was more impressed with the story this time than I have been in the past. I, I think I really appreciated what, what it does that works, you know? Yep. And, you know, while you, you guys were talking and I, I was totally not expecting this, but uh, looking at, us talking or listening to us talk about thinking about watching, you know, the Cave of Skulls, the Forest of Fear, and the Firemaker, that second, third, and fourth um, episode. You know, I'm sitting here thinking, okay, well, yes, you know, here comes the Daleks in the next uh, story with episode five, and, you know, of course, that saves them. But but here's here's what I find interesting. Episode one, An Unearthly Child, had in the U.K., <laughs> 4.4 million viewers. Episode 2, The Cave of Skulls, had 5.9. The Forest of Fear had 6.9. Mm-hmm. The, fi- the Firemaker, the last episode, goes down just a little bit, but still holds 6.4 million. So while that may not have captured our attention wholeheartedly, <laughs> it obviously did... In 1963. They picked up 2 million viewers over the course of that show. That's amazing. Right. So think about it. You know, that that has to say something that that was just magically done right. That if what we find boring today to some level 
And, you know, I know that may be blasphemed to say that that's boring, but I was a little bored. It didn't, after that first episode, keep my attention with the cave people. Yeah. yeah. I think episode two is the worst out of out of all of them. Uh, although we got some good stuff at the beginning of episode two, but I, I do feel it did wrap up nicely. I did, I did really like uh, the last episode. I thought it was, it, it kept my attention full time and has some, some cool concepts with the, um, the skulls and the, the fire in the skull heads. I thought was pretty cool mm-hmm. as, as a means to escape. So guys, I need you to tell me where were they? Was this another planet? Or was this like prehistoric earth? Do they ever say, I know they mentioned the Geiger counter when they f- wait, that might be the next episode. And then, okay. no, the, doctor, the doctor takes it out in yeah. episode two and it gets broken. That's right. Yeah. Huh. So do we know if they were even on a different planet? I assume they were, but I really couldn't tell. Because um, these cavemen were so Earth-like, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Uh, Isn't that funny? I have always assumed we were in Earth's past, but I don't think that there's a single mention of it. I think you're right. I, 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 I think you're both right. I, 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 I don't think... There's there's a reference. It's just the assumption that it's Earth's fast. Gotcha. Gotcha. Which ties right into the original concept part of the mandate, if I'm correct here, was mm-hmm. you balance the future stories to the historical, we're going to teach you something about history stories. And I think that's why I've always assumed it was about Earth's distant past, but... Um, this is because that was, you know, part of the concept from the beginning. But if there's nothing inside the, in the episode that tells you that, you know, yeah, I don't know. you know, and this, this is a question for Lee. Is this the only time I, th- I think it is, but isn't this the only time we've ever seen an episode with cavemen, you know, we've gone into the past, but not so far. You know, usually we wind up in the 16, 1700s for the most part, or at least, you know, enough to where there's a civilization not uh, going back to the days of cavemen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can't think of any other time, you know. Um, well, we've met other primitives, certainly. So, so. Here was something that I noticed when thinking about the 13th Doctor and knowing that the first Doctor is going to be in the Christmas special and knowing that eventually the 12th will become the 13th. This particular scene just kind of stood out to me. And and it's the point when they're outside the TARDIS before Ian and Barbara hear Susan inside and basically break in, not get kidnapped, break in. And, um, <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. Um, and there, you know, the doctor is trying to convince them that everything is okay. Don't pay attention, to, you know, to any of this. And so he takes uh, Ian by the arm and he walks a little bit further away and he's going to talk man to man to Ian and yep. leaves Barbara standing in the background. Yep. <laughs> and I just found that, you know, I don't think I would have paid attention to that if it had not have been for knowing that the 13th Doctor will be female. Mm-hmm. So any well, thoughts on that particular scene? 
<laughs> that that struck me too for the same reasons i think is that there there is a sort of uh let's 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 get over here and solve this problem because we're the dudes you know and uh and also when they're when they're trying to to make their way back to the tardis that uh, the doctor says uh, to ian you know you you're obviously the strongest you're the one yeah. who's have to, you know, to take care of this you know i guess you could debate that <laughs> yeah you 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 uh, uh, hit it off and i'll i'll hit up the rear unless yeah. you let the women in the middle right um does yep. what, what, what do you what do you think, Clarence? Do you think that that will be even something that insignificant? I, I just think that gives them an opportunity with the thirteenth to play on some of these themes. What do you think? Yeah, that was very subtle, and I didn't even catch that. Um, but and I didn't even really notice when they were talking about the formation of how they walk. That didn't really just jump out at me. But now that you guys mentioned it, but one thing that one of the things that really um, I've, I thought about it as I thought about a woman doctor, and this was really not not even having to do with the doctor directly, but um, you see these scenes of these cavemen and the women kind of um, trusting in the men to lead the tribe. You know, you see that a lot, even with the, kind of the old woman. Um, and they're clearly under the direction of the male leaders you know, I just that just made me wonder of how this would play in the future, um, having a woman doctor. And do we look at these things a little differently or do we try to stay close to what we think history states? You know, I know we played with that a little uh, already with with a black uh, character going, you know, into the 1800s. You know, we play with kind of shifting the perception of what we think the past is a little bit already. So that just makes me think about how we're going to do that going forward. Is that going to be a way that we're going to going to allow the, um, the new doctor to uh, kind of um, jump into these different roles in these different times? Um, Just something to think about. Very good. Very good thought. Yeah, I mean, I, it's something I'm really looking forward to. I really want to see how they're going to deal with that. You know, I, I want to I want to spend a few minutes talking about something that we mentioned way back at the very beginning of this episode, which was the naming when we were saying, "Okay, is this the Cave of Skulls? Is this an unearthly child?" Uh, Lee, with the naming of the serials, wasn't it halfway between? or sometime in Troughton's run that they started naming it as just a serial and then saying part one, part two, part three, part four? Um, it's got to be earlier than that because I know that uh, Planet of the Giants um, is the name of that serial, and that was a first Doctor adventure. Ah, and got um, you. The, the meddling monk. I'm just thinking of other first Doctor stories that I know were we're all under one title, but uh, I'm looking at the TARDIS wiki page now. I was trying to remember what is the other title that I've heard for this serial, and it's it's the one it, it says that at the BBC it was produced. These four episodes were produced as 100,000 BC. Yes, yes, I remember uh, that now. And that sounds to me like it's supposed to be explicitly the Earth, or otherwise yeah, why call yeah. it that? Um, Makes sense. But but, um, but what's on the script is the Tribe of Gum, which I've always thought is the worst title ever. But um, but then, um, but then somewhere along the way, the whole thing also has sometimes been called the Firemaker, and I don't know if that's just by fans or whatever. But, 
But that's certainly what the story ends up being about is who's going to make the fire. <laughs> um, so, but yeah, it is funny that what happens instead is that now at this point we refer to all four of them as an unearthly child. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and, and you know, just the simple name of that is so interesting or so unique, an unearthly child. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I just find it very, yeah, awesome. just, just, just a very good name. It is. Yeah. Although it's also interesting to sort of watch the story and watch Susan and say, she's not a child. <laughs> yes. How old is she when this? Yeah. I think hmm. she's supposed to be 15. I've always gotten the impression she's supposed to be like, you know, high school sophomore. Well, how old is the actor? Uh, the- <laughs> she She's in her 20s. And, ah. yeah, and, and famously, you know, well, they, they mentioned this in uh, Adventure in Space and Time, that as the series went on, that, uh, they, you know, uh, 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 now I'm blanking on the actors who played Ian and uh, Barbara. But they were like, uh, hey, we see you're drinking champagne. You know, you probably shouldn't be doing that. She's saying, I'm almost 30 years old, all right? You know, it's like. All right, so here we go. So this was 1963, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she would have been, at that time, 23 years old. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. and Cal, Cal, you posted the um, the, the, the pilot uh, that they changed, right? Uh, the, the first one. And that was one of the things that jumped out at me, other than the TARDIS being a little more cluttered. Than it was in the in the the aired episode, but they made her look younger in the aired episode, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it could have purely been what she was wearing, uh, but in the pilot episode, she did look a, a little bit older to me. See, I never uh, never noticed that. I did notice the or the or the thing that I noticed the most was the doctor seemed even more. Uh, antagonistic in the pilot version than he did in the aired version. Hmm. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I, I, you know, I don't think, I, and I couldn't find it uh, on YouTube. I've seen the entire unaired pilot, and it may have been on uh, the DVD version of, uh, you know, an unearthly child. That may have been where I saw it. But yeah, that's um, where I have it. Okay, so that that's where. But I mm-hmm. couldn't find it, you know, anywhere on YouTube. But I think it was in that whole story of seeing it all at once, you know, seeing all of it together as the pilot. I don't think I saw him as being as kind. And even though we're not saying that he was uh, kind in that particular episode, uh, yeah. he he was much more um, rude. I think would be a good way to put it. it. It's one of the notes that they got about the, the original, the unaired pilot was you're going to have to dial him back a little bit wow. <laughs> because he, he's just scary. Yeah. Especially if he's supposed to be again, children's show, but the lead <laughs> character in a children's show. I think we'd better go and fetch a policeman. Hey, well, and you're coming with us. Oh, am I? <laughs> I don't think so. Young man. No, I don't think so. We can't force him. But we can't leave him here. Doesn't it seem obvious to you he's got her locked up in there? Look at it. There's no door handle. Must be a secret lock somewhere. That was Susan's voice. Of course it was. Susan! Susan! Are you in there? It's Mr. Chesterton and Miss Wright, Susan. Don't you think you're being rather high-handed, young man? 
You thought you saw a young girl into the yard? You imagine you heard her voice? You believe she might be in there? It's not very substantial, is it? But why <laughs> won't you help us? I'm not hindering you. If you both want to make fools of yourselves, I suggest you do what you said you'd do. Go and find a policeman. Or you nip off quietly in the other direction. Insulting. There's only one way in and out of this yard. I should be here when you get back. I want to see your faces when you try to explain away your behavior to a policeman. <laughs> Nevertheless, we're going to find one. <laughs> Come on, Barbara. What are you doing out there? She is in there. Who's the dog? Don't. Barbara, what you like? Yeah. Even if he's supposed to be... Um, uh, he's supposed to be aloof and unknowable, you know. That's why we're not even ever going to know what his name is. So... Yeah. But, but you know, um, but you go back yeah. and you get to 1963, whenever it's the doctor and it's Ben and it's Polly, it's mm -hmm. literally a almost a you know doctor 1.5 because he's mm -hmm. he, he's so much more friendly and and at this point until I was saying these words right now did I even think of this whole Capaldi run over his three seasons. And thinking he starts out being very cold and, you know, uh, kind of aloof and uncaring and transforms into this really likable doctor toward the end. And if, you know, if, uh, Capaldi had this, uh, reverence for what Hartnell did, his doctor, I just realized, did the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I think my favorite, maybe I don't know. I'm, I'm just saying this. But my, I love the uh, as a first Doctor adventure, the Dalek invasion of Earth. You know, uh, with its very emotional ending. But um, throughout that serial, uh, the Doctor treats Ian as a as a peer. I mean, they are partners, and I've always thought that was interesting. I mean, it sort of shows what the evolution of that character has been, and and his respect for Ian just grows as the series goes on. It's it's very interesting to me. So, so uh, in this these first four episodes, I've probably heard more screams than I've heard <laughs> all, in mm -hmm. all of New Who. <laughs> yeah, was that that prevalent in Classic Who? Just the outright screams? I'm afraid so. Yeah, and it, and it's one of the complaints. One of the reasons why Caroline Ford left the show was because as time went by, she said, you know, this started out with a lot of promise and. Um, I just run around and scream a lot, <laughs> and yeah, you can see it even in the, even in these, uh, like in the second episode. It's like, oh, here it begins. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and look, you know, one of the famous uh, scenes of when we first see the Daleks, and you've got Barbara, and what does she do when the uh, plunger is coming toward her? Mm -hmm. <gasps> yeah. Yeah, well, well, in uh, in uh, hundred thousand BC, as I'll I'll now choose to call it, uh, Barbara screams when she sees the the boar's head, right? Right. Yeah. I kept yeah. backing up to look at that again and saying, "What is she screaming about?" <laughs> I don't I don't quite understand what happened here. But, yeah. But they, well, I'll, you know what? I, I'll tell you what happened. It what happened was it it was a product of its time. Because look at comic yeah. books back in the mid-60s at that same time. Golly. What did oh, Jean Grey and Susan Storm do? They screamed and said, come help me. Well, really? Yeah. 
Well, I, I would say in Sue Storm's case, it's not so much what she does as the way Reed talks to her. Because <laughs> yes. he talks to her like she's an infant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it just makes me nuts. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it, 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 it's funny. You can sort of see them on the cusp. There, There is, it, it is 1963. And this is this very forward-looking show with a woman who is the showrunner. And and I, I have to imagine there were there's got to have been tension there. I just can't imagine Verity Lambert saying, "And now this girl's going to scream." I can sort of imagine Verity saying, "Does she have to be the one?" <laughs> Why is the response always that these women go to pieces? You know, when they've seen worse things in the previous episode. You know what? <laughs> yeah. I, I just I, you know I would love to have been a fly on the wall for some of those conversations. So. Which is what, well, which is what I love so much about adventures in space and time, because you do get to at least pretend like you're you were there for some of this. It's, yeah. So, Clarence, what what, how has this transformed, or has it even changed your perception of anything you've watched? Does 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 it does it at all change how you know the other things that you have watched now, going back and having seen this? It, I, I don't know if it enriches anything that I've seen already because, I mean, I already love it. <laughs> I mean, it does give that extra his, history and it gives you a bit more reverence of, of you know, how it got to where it is. You know, the the, the building blocks, the inception of, of the thoughts and ideas. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it gives you a bit more appreciation. I, I have to say that. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of... of what are some of my favorite moments of, of these first four episodes? And there's this, there's this moment when the doctor, um, they were trying to question if Scar uh, killed the old woman. And the doctor has Scar's blade rock, whatever you call it. And he just plays this uh, mind trick on the dumb caveman guy to make him show him his blade that was yeah. full of blood. I thought that was fantastic. Yeah. So, I mean, just moments like that throughout and just just gives you an amount of appreciation for uh, the show that we have now. Cool. So if I were to say we were rating at this point, what rating would you give this entire story? Am am I rating it on its own or am I comparing it to what I'm saying? It's up to you. I think you rate it how you wish. Mm. I think you have to view it as being the pilot of a TV series, and it's 1963. I don't, yeah. I don't think there's any other way to look at it than that. <laughs> I, 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 I could go with that. I mean, uh, if 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 I'm looking at all four episodes, uh, it would have to be a different rating. I thought the first episode, five out of five, loved it. I mean, I think any Doctor Who fan should at least – that's like must-see TV for any Doctor Who fan, hands down. Just yeah. wonderful. Uh the series as a whole, I would probably say a three point five, maybe. Uh, again, I think it picks up by the in the second half of the third episode and the fourth episode was really good. Uh, the second episode, I just other than the first five minutes, I didn't enjoy it at all. Um, I felt myself getting tired watching it. Yeah. Uh, but everything else, man, I, I thought it was it was great. And man, just looking at that that first episode, man, that's what started it all. All right, Lee, Mr. Shackelford, what do you say? I think I would say the same thing. I, it, 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 it's the, there are things in, in the second episode that are 
really slow. It seems slow to us. Um, uh, but, but my golly, we, we, we can't trade that one away because there is that moment of calling him Dr. Foreman. And he, he just, <laughs> this, yeah. this look across his face, <laughs> Dr. Who? <laughs> I mean, it's just, it, it's one of those, uh, talk about your iconic moments. Um, but what struck me about watching um, the Tribe of Gum again was how well acted all of those things are. Those people playing these these primitives, they are completely committed to these roles yeah. and, to, and to their simple objective. Everything in our lives depends on this fire and or we're going to die. And, and and it's it's a hundred percent there. And I just as an actor, I admire that so much. There's just it's so I don't know. And um and and, and 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 as a straight guy, I also have to say I was struck again by what a good looking man William Russell was. Um I uh, maybe I need to check with some of my straight female <laughs> friends and see if I'm just imagining this, but I just I just sometimes the camera just sort of kept favoring him, and I was thinking, "Holy smoke, that's a <laughs> that's a nice looking man." I think. I, don't know. Um, I met him. You know, he's the only member of that cast that I really? actually met. Yeah, he was at uh, Gallifrey a couple of years ago, and um, you know, um, uh, still a nice looking dude. So, um, this actually connects to a story that I'll tell, whether you want to hear it or not. Sure, go um, for it. <laughs> My first, my introduction to Doctor Who was in the pages of the magazine Famous Monsters of Filmland, which was a treasured, you know, thing of my youth that has uh, sort of gone the way of all flesh. But um, Famous Monsters was about absolutely everything in science fiction, horror, and fantasy. And I bought one issue, and there was this, there was this feature story inside about this TV series that they're doing over there in Great Britain that I'll probably never see. But there was a photograph of this young man, this young woman, and a giant ant. <laughs> and I've always been fascinated by anything giant or miniature. You know, that's just something Gulliver's Travels, you know, incredible shrinking man, you know, anything. Um, so that my eye just zeroed in on that. And I said, this is and it's called Doctor Who. Um, but I but I got a good print of that exact photo many years later and that's what i had william russell autograph wow How so cool is now that? my now my goal is to get caroline ford while she's still around because she's the only other I, I can't get the aunt of course but uh, <laughs> but then you know it was it was decades before i ever uh i mean it was probably another 10 15 years before i ever actually saw the series and when i saw the series it began with tom baker it starts with robot and it would take us through Caves of Androzani and then start over. That's the way our PBS affiliate used to do it. So I still never saw Ian and uh, Susan and the story with the <laughs> the giant ant. That was decades <laughs> before I was ever able to catch up with that. And then I learned it's Planet of the Giants. The ant isn't giant. They've been miniaturized. Ah. So, uh, I never knew what was going on there. Spoilers, yeah. man. Come on. Spoilers. Oh, oh, sorry. <laughs> it's at the very beginning of the episode. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, I, I just say all that to just to connect to William Russell. I did actually get to shake the man's hand and thank him for for all the fun. So, cool. Wow. Well, for me, I I think I would have to agree with you guys and give you know if I were going just on the story itself for the first four episodes, I think I would have to agree with the two. I mean, the three point five. However, mm-hmm. you know, the first episode. For the historical purposes alone, 
I think I have to give it, you know, a five because it was, it, 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 it caught your attention and, you know, there was never a point in that episode watching it, you know, the, you know, yesterday or the day before, um, when I was watching it that I picked up my computer or I picked up the iPad <laughs> or picked up my phone. Yeah. I was watching it, you know, the whole time. The second, third had the iPad. The fourth one had the computer on and off, you know, and I would look up. But that first episode, again, I was taking notes and, um, you know, watching. So, um, yeah, I would give it a five. How many times do you think you've seen Unearthly Child? Uh, I probably couldn't count, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and it was still holding your attention like that. Yeah. I mean, sir, and I never thought of yeah. it from that perspective because it's not like it's not something that I haven't, um, you know, seen or tried to quote before. Right. So, yeah. so yeah. No, and I, I get I, your I know point. It almost by heart, but yeah, it's yeah. I get your point. Yeah, and like one other observation is, um, I know how you guys have this reverence for a Cole Hill School, and <laughs> that that really has never really caught me because I, I see you guys being excited whenever it's mentioned or we talk about class and things like that. And you know, from but the first few minutes, you you pull back from that sign saying Cole Hill School. You know, now that's a point that made me get a a huge amount of appreciation for you know even class. You know, I'm like okay, wow, this was. This was something that was in the first few minutes of the show. That's amazing. That's right. Yeah, Clara hasn't even been born yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's going to teach at this school, you know. So, yeah. You know, another interesting thing, Clarence, go back now and watch the first 30 seconds, a minute of um, the Day of the Doctor and see if you have that same feeling that you just had or if you notice something. Hmm. 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 And on that note, I hmm. think that would actually be a good time to wrap up the show. Yeah. Yeah. Because now that I've got you both intrigued, uh, maybe yeah. I will intrigue the uh, people who are listening, who we want to thank for spending some time with us to talk about an unearthly child. We hope that you have enjoyed our conversation and send us some feedback. We would definitely like to hear it, and we would definitely like to put it on a future show. So, uh, Lee or Clarence, do you have anything else that you'd like to talk about before we close? Well, I've now forgotten where we're going to go from here. What, what's, uh, what's the plan, man? I think the plan is to have one, two, three, three doctors. Ha, 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 ha. So mm. that is the next uh, on this journey of or, or yeah because we're not going back we're going to come back to the tenth planet right before Christmas so right. um, yes we're going to the three doctors next so that's next up on the agenda sounds good all yeah. right well thanks everyone for listening send us some feedback and and on behalf of myself Clarence and Lee. We will see you with three doctors. Good night, good morning, or good evening. And we're out. Discussing Who is brought to you by Audible. You've probably heard of Audible, but just in case, they are the world's leading provider of audiobooks. They have more than 180,000 titles. 
Let me say that again. 180,000 titles to choose from. Imagine a genre. They've got an audiobook. And these files play on smartphones, Kindles, tablets, in fact, over 500 different devices. Now, for fans of Discussing Who, Audible is offering a free download when you start a new Audible subscription. And you can choose anything at all from that vast library. But we know you want to get one of their absolutely fantastic Doctor Who titles, which include New Adventures of the Doctor, but also Torchwood and River Song. And they're performed for you by actors you know and love. Wonderful voices, Tom Baker, Alex Kingston, David Tennant. The list goes on and on. So try it out for 30 days. And if at the end of the month you decide Audible is not for you, you still get to keep that Doctor Who book you downloaded. So look at it this way. Free Doctor Who book. So here's how you get started. Point your favorite web browser to audibletrial.com slash discussing who. That's audible trial, all one word, A-U-D-I-B-L-E-T-R-I-A-L dot com slash discussing who. Also one word. And that's how you get your free book. What could be better than that? You've been listening to the Discussing Who podcast. Discussing Who is made by fans for fans. No copyright infringement is intended. Show us your fans of the show by liking us on Facebook, following us on Twitter. You can find us on the web at www.discussingwho.com. Want more Discussing Who? Find us on iTunes, Google Play Music, Player FM, the Doctor Who Podshock Alliance, and more. Send us your feedback to discussingwho at gmail.com, or if you'd like, simply record a voice message and send that to us via your smartphone, tablet, or computer. We want to hear from you.